Another episode of that other Masonic podcast. Todd's already complaining. Well, yeah, the fan makes it. All right. Well, noise. I'll tell you what. Go go turn the fans yeah. off. Okay, and we're back. Todd had to turn the... <laughs> Welcome back to a brand new season. We're starting a new quote-unquote season. Season of, two. Of that other Masonic podcast. And Brother Jared Atkins. Brother Todd Whaley. Bethlehem Lodge 574 in beautiful Bird's Eye, Indiana. And we got a treat tonight. Yeah, we do. So, uh, t- to start this off... Uh, one of the things we talked about doing was season two as we finished up with our interview with Wes Reuter from At Refreshment. At Refreshment Masonic Podcast. We decided we were going to start interviewing Masons around the southern part of the state of Indiana, uh, especially the older Masons who are more experienced. To, because when they're gone, as, you, as me and you talked about, who's going to tell their story? Right. And I couldn't think of a better person to officially begin this series than our own secretary, a past master here. Brother Philip Atkins, who spells his name the wrong way. He spells his name with a D. I spell mine with a T. But, uh, Phil, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, my name is Philip Atkins. I'm a past master here at Bethlehem, uh, as you said, currently serving their secretary. I'm also the sitting master of Vincennes Number 1 in Vincennes, Indiana, and I am the senior deacon of Bartimaeus under dispensation with the Grand Lodge. Let's talk about Bartimaeus first. Yeah, before before Phil gets into that, Bartimaeus is something Todd and I have been talking about off air a little bit. It's it, it's a neat concept, and uh, Phil, we're going to jump the gun a little bit before we ask you how you got into masonry and all that. Why don't you tell everybody listening who's not sure, explain what Bartimaeus is. Bartimaeus degree is a specialty lodge that was set up uh, under dispensation. That means we don't have a charter. We're approved every year by the incoming Grand Master and our officers are installed by the Grand Master. Uh, our officers are appointed, they're not elected, and our purpose is to do degrees for brothers who have some type of physical or mental disability that will not allow them to take a degree in a normal manner, uh, whether it be uh, blind, deaf, in wheelchairs, where they can't kneel, do the things that required, floor works that required, whether they have PTSD or uh, balance issues from uh, uh, injuries. Right. Uh, they allow us to adjust the floor work only. We do not adjust any of the verbiage. None of the wording is changed. The ritual is all the same. The ritual is exactly the same. Uh, we even demonstrate the floor work in the proper manner to the candidate so he can see it for, for future use. But uh, he will not have, if he has like knee replacement, he would not have to kneel. If he can't walk, he can do it in a wheelchair. Uh, if he has PTSD and really spooks him to be blindfolded, uh, he could take it without the blindfold. See, see, speaking of that, we just had our monthly meeting. Uh, what is today? Sunday. We just had our monthly meeting Wednesday night, yep. and, and we you brought something up about Bartimaeus, which we, you know, we hear you mention that all the time in Lodge. And I asked you the question: What would happen if a candidate couldn't be blindfolded? And you just guide him around with his eyes closed the whole degree, basically. He could even leave his eyes open. Really? Uh, right. See, not, uh, not every state gets blindfolded for second, third degree. No. <clears throat> yeah, usually just the first degree. The one instance that I can remember uh, recently that we did up at uh, Brownsburg, Brownsboro, uh, Washington Lodge Number Thirteen, uh, was a ninety-two or ninety-three-year-old World War Two the Pearl, Pearl Harbor, Harbor veteran. veteran. Yep. Oh wow! <laughs> who was trapped in the hull of a ship for three days in the dark. Mm. And he said he swore then that he would never be in the dark again, and he sleeps with the light on even at 93. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> we left him unblindfolded. It was rather uh, 
when his ship was righted and uh, they later recommissioned it with a different ship with the same name, one of the guys, uh, Bob Hendricks from uh, uh, White River. Okay, yeah. Bob had served on that ship, and he gave him a hat from that ship, which it was a very touching moment. Oh, I bet. But, uh, you know, here's a man that has, was an exemplary member of the community, uh, had had an interest in masonry all those years, but Never wouldn't asked. join because he just could not be blindfolded. Mm-hmm. In other jurisdictions, he would have never become a mason. No, no. In Indiana, being the first to ever have a specialty lodge that I'm aware of in the world that did that, yeah, I never heard of uh, they had let they had let him become a mason. I'm very proud of that. When I when I came back two years ago, year and a half ago, whatever, I asked you about that, and you said, to your knowledge, we're the only Bartimaeus Lodge in the world. There is one other one. There is. Is there another one, like California or something? Or Texas. I Texas believe. has one, maybe. Te- yeah, Texas, I believe, is the other one. Well, I'll tell you what, I follow a lot of guys at Texas Masons on TikTok, Facebook, and everything. They don't mention anything about like stuff like that. In the state where I was born and raised in West Virginia, you can't even be a Mason if you have a thumb missing, I'm, really? I'm told. I've, I've heard I'm some not sure if that's changed, kind of but the same way. It's, uh, there are some really weird rules about that sort of thing. Well, they're, they're like... AFM or something like that, or yeah, F-N-A-M. Oh, Okay. Well, thanks for telling us about that. That's their AFNAM. Okay, okay, yeah. A lot of people um, don't know about Bartimaeus. I think we've mentioned it on an episode or two before, and somebody's talked to us like, "What's Bartimaeus?" And we're like, "That's hard to explain." And it's just, you know, it's just a way to get guys in there who can't do it the regular way. And that's what, like Phil, like Phil or, mentioned, that's that's the thing that's important because you've got old school ritualists that are sticklers. Like, well, you're going to change everything. No, you don't. The ritual is all the same. It's the just floor the floor work. work. That's all it's different. I think you mentioned one guy had a balance problem, so you had two guys guiding him around. Yeah, had one guy on each arm. Right? Yeah. So. Like Phil and I talked about when I when I was raised on leap year, you know, I had hurt my back at work earlier in the week. I mean, I fell. I mean, it was only a six, five-foot fall, but I fell off a ladder. Oh, yeah. It feels like if we would have had Bartimaeus then, he's like, your master would have been done under Bartimaeus degree. How old is Bartimaeus? Bartimaeus was formed in the 60s. Was it? Uh, okay. Yeah, it was for guys uh, coming back uh, after World War II and Vietnam okay. and Korea uh, that had issues. I, I want to say 63. I'm not exactly aware of that sure. old. But, uh, like I say, it's been around a while. It's named after uh, a man named Bartimaeus, obviously, in, in the Bible, who was blind. Okay. And it just so happened that our first candidate was blind. a blind man. Oh. So. See, I remember I got to ask that during my past master's degree, can a blind man become a mason? And I was like, no, he can't. He can't see the light. And the guy who's my presiding officer was legally blind. Yeah. Well, it was been that way for years, but he was also a mason, too. So. I've, I've sat in lodge with guys that are legally blind mm-hmm. many times. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, let's go to the regular questions. Phil. All right, let's go. What so, got you interested in Freemasonry to begin with? Well, I had a lot of family members. Okay. Uh, I had at least... When you was in West Virginia? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I had at least three uncles, uh, two of them on my dad's side, one of them on my mom's side. All three were men, uh, well, actually four. I had uh, three on my dad's side. All, all three of those men were around me growing up. The other one uh, on my mom's side, uh, more so in later years. But uh, those three men were probably some of the three of the most uh, uh, men of great integrity in my in my sight. Uh, yeah. One of them was so serious that I don't ever think I saw him laugh. Uh, 
He was just serious about everything all the time. And That's I come night from, and day different from how Phil is. Oh, yeah, right. I come yeah. from a family. I come from a family. My dad always played practical jokes and did things, oh, yeah. you know. So I was always kindly uh, in awe of this guy that he had that kind right. of self-control. Found out later that he had learned every word of the Ohio. He's from Ohio. in West Virginia. And then he moved over to Ohio, but he kept his membership right across the river in West Virginia. But he had learned every word of their ritual yeah. <laughs> and could do any part on any degree in the York Rite also. Oh, wow. So very That's a lot of dedication. Letter, oh, yeah. Very knowledgeable guy. He was very exacting in his personality. He was a machinist by trade. Yeah. Also, yeah. And therefore, he was great at ritual. Uh, kind of like that, me, you know. Yeah. 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 Machinist, I'm good at it. <laughs> but uh, he, he inspired me. I used to sit on his lap. He smoked a pipe, which I loved to smell. And I, I would sit on his lap when I was a little kid. And he, I would look at his ring. He had a really nice uh, redstone Masonic oh, ring. Yeah. And I would see that ring and I would think, what does that mean? You know, what yeah. <laughs> and I'd ask about it. And he'd say, well, you're a little older. You ask me again. And, you know, one of those kind of things. That's That goes back to what Todd and I were talking about in the first few episodes, you know. With me being a third generation Mason, I was probably five or six the first time I saw Grandpa's hat, and I've said it on future on past episodes, and I'll say it till I go to the grave. The logo for Freemasonry, the square compass, and is the coolest looking logo there's ever. It's just well, yeah, I mean, it's, awesome. it's, it's known worldwide. I yeah, mean, you can have your moose, your elks, your eagles, and they're the symbols, but that square compass means something. Uh, yeah, exactly, I've always said that, but. What what kept you coming back to Freebase? What made you become whoa, part of the lodge? Oh, wait a you're, minute. You're jumping, jump. you're jumping the gun a little bit. What do you mean? You're talking about what what made you decide then that you was going to petition a lot? Like what what got you? You're like you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna petition. Well, this is kind of a strange story. In 1980, I asked my uncle. It was my my mom's side. I happened to be doing a uh, a tunnel job in Southern Ohio, and it was near his home and i would go over there in the evenings after the job was over right and you know we'd go out to dinner and hang out with him and stuff because he was he was a cool guy he was a big time hunter and i was a hunter at the time now my health doesn't allow that much but you were still in west virginia in the 80s right you, I was you told still, me you didn't come down to like the 90s or I something still lived down there okay mm-hmm. but in 1980 i asked him i said you know i've always been interested in in lodge because of right all my uncles that are in lodge and at that time, they didn't talk about it much. No, no. I mean, you could ask about it, and they'd just look at you like they didn't hear what you said. I mean, it was like they didn't talk about it. <laughs> it was one of those deals, you know. We don't we don't discuss those things, right? Yeah, but you had to come out and say, "I will be. I want to yeah, join the lodge." I, I don't want to know. You. I want to know more. You know. And right. of course, I was too young mm-hmm. most of the time. But that was the time when I was up to the age where I could join. Right. And I asked him, and he said, "Well, how long are you going to be here?" Which he was thinking, how long will it take him to go through all three degrees if he goes here? Right. And I told him, I said, well, another six weeks and I'll be done. We'll be moving on to another tunnel. Right. And he said, well, I'll tell you what you do. He said, if you get some place that you're going to be there for a year or two. Throw down some roots. Yeah. Go to the local lodge, uh, introduce yourself, and tell them you're interested. Mm-hmm. He said, I can tell you that, you know, now that you've asked me, uh, I don't know that you'll be here long enough to do it here, but go to that lodge and uh, ask. Well, the way I, my work was, yeah, you're uh, all over you the, know, over the world, kind of. I was all over the country for sure, um, and working twelve-hour days, six days a week, a lot of times. Yeah. <laughs> so I really didn't have a lot of excess time. Plus, I had a family, young family at that time, 
1980, uh, you know, I had young children. So after my children got raised and uh, I finally uh, left construction and went into just straight mining, I did. I, I came and asked, and I asked the guy, and I said, I'm getting ready to move over to Bird's Eye. And he said, right. go, go in that little store on the corner down there oh, yeah. <laughs> and talk to that guy in there, and he, and he which I did. Because if people that don't know Bird's Eye, Bird's Eye has like four businesses, and one of them is— The Bird's Eye Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> Skinner store. It's, Skinner it's, store. it's, it's uh, one of our brother's stores. And I uh, went in there. It's like a little general hardware store type place. And I, you know, new homestead. I was uh, buying things here and there to, to work and do stuff. And uh, I asked him about it, and he said, well, yeah. He said, uh, let me give you this. And he gave me uh, opening the door, the pamphlet that yeah, we used to pass about. out. Yep. And uh, I read it, and within probably a couple of weeks, I was back in the store again, ready to uh, fill out the petition. And there was a brother came in, and not knowing his personality, he was a very serious guy, but he, he could keep a straight face and really kid you. <laughs> but he asked me, he said, well, you've got all kinds of money, right? And it made me mad <laughs> because, uh, you know, which is a very important lesson because you shouldn't joke with a guy if he doesn't know you that well. Right, he doesn't right. know that you're a joker. <laughs> but I took him serious, and I thought, well, who's this guy to ask me a question like that? So I didn't fill out a petition for like three months. Oh, wow. <laughs> and finally I was in the store again, and Carl said, uh, uh, are you ever going to fill out a petition? And I said, uh, no, I didn't appreciate that guy. And he started laughing. He said, oh, he's just joking. He's, that's the way he is. And I thought, well, that, that didn't hit me right. So I filled out a petition, and then uh, within a couple of weeks I took, you know, they, they approved my uh, petition. And that was back before background information. It was immediate. You know, you, yeah. you got approved. You could set your degree that day if you wanted to, I guess, yeah. that evening. But anyway, I, I took my degrees, uh, I think, about seven weeks from start to finish. Oh, wow. Yeah, we beat. <laughs> yeah. Well, Phil, Phil was retired. Like he said, he had plenty of time to oh, study because, you know, the rabbits. He had to feed the rabbits all That's the time. True. Well, my wife worked second shift, too. So I could do it out loud there in the house with her gone, you know. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like I was restricted to certain times that I could work with things. During the day when she was, uh, before she woke up, I would go down and work with Carl. And then I would work at, at my house out loud in the evenings while she was at work. So wow. <laughs> uh, it really worked out nice. Phil, do you remember what years or what the year was? 2006. 2006. Not too long after I was, I was so, too. He's in a year, year and a half before I came in yeah. for mine, and yeah. Already then, though, I'm telling what I can remember from October 2007, my EA. He was already, you know, just. Knocking I mean, off all the yeah, games, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I always had a gift for that. Um, you got a gift for Gab. I'll give you that. Exactly, you, you and I always could remember like lines in school plays mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Uh, poems uh, always had that that gift don't don't let brother phil say you short everybody listening because uh we all know the most dreaded lecture i would call it dreaded this what fifth it's got to be at least to 15 listen to. It's, listen to, yeah, maybe <laughs> it's got to be at least what fifteen thousand words i don't know how many words uh, i can't get I past page i can't get past the first page and a half the stair lecture yeah the middle chamber the stair, lecture. yeah i can't get past the first uh page and a half that was all the more i memorized but I, i've watched this man sitting to my right do it for years and i tell you what 
if he messes up, if he stumbles up at all, he only stumbles up once or twice, and you can't even tell. But what I also appreciate, I know we're jumping a gun a little bit, Phil does it the right way. I am not a fan of the short version version because I feel like you need to learn that. I mean, I could learn the short version and give it, but you don't get the fullness out of it. We've talked about that in past episodes. You don't get the full appreciation for it unless you see the long-form version. And I mean, I mean I've, seen, I've seen it both ways, and the short version kind of like, whoa, whoa we're done already? Yeah. Oh, it's only 8 o'clock. Well, <laughs> you know, that's the thing. Uh, if you look at the, the fellow craft degree, it's the shortest oh, yeah. anyway. Yeah. Because there's no lectures at the end except for the work lecture. Uh, work lecture. And uh, if you go the short version there, it really is well, it's quick. quick. It's yeah, too very quick, quick, in my opinion. Yeah. And there are some very interesting points. Uh, that I have people even today, uh, Marlon Gray, for instance, uh, great Mason, older guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, We're going to try to get him too, but he's a busy man, and oh, yeah. or he always says he's busy. I mean, <laughs> yeah. but he Mar- Marlon uh, Doc, everybody calls him. Doc. Oh, yeah, Doc. He's a retired medical doctor. Um, Doc is uh, very, very astute at listening to the degrees. And even today, he tells me from time to time, I learned something different tonight. Mm-hmm. I learned something new. And I think that's amazing that it has so much information that a guy that's been oh, in yeah. and paid as much attention as he has all those years can still pick up something and get some understanding of Freemasonry out of it. Well, I heard, I mean, I've seen a lot of guys do it, do the military lecture, and some guys machine gun it fast. I mean, where you, you really can't understand what they're saying. You're just going through the motions and. The guy who did mine skipped a he didn't he was the first time he ever done it. He missed the whole section. Mm-hmm. He got done, he goes, I kinda skipped the whole section there on you. Want me to do it again? I was like, No, I'm okay. <laughs> I always make that joke when I'm done, I always say, Yeah, now this is a lot of information, so if you want to, after everybody goes home, we'll do it three or four more times. And they always give you this look like, Oh no, oh, no well, please not. My well, fa- my favorite thing and and it's expected from from majority of the guys coming in because it's a lot to take in. Oh yeah. But on, like one out of every five or six times I see Brother Phil give the middle chamber lecture, do you can you actually see in the candidate's face that he's he's in he's in tune with this? Silver most of the time it's like, most of the time it's the donut look. Like uh, you yeah. know the one of the brothers from Line Lodge texted me the other night and he goes, "Phil's just killing it like usual." I said, "What about the candidates?" He goes, "Donuts." <laughs> just yeah. donuts that's what he said yeah and I mean then you know we always say Freemasonry your fellow craft degree is all about learning being manhood and learning everything just like that and there's a lot of knowledge in there that some guys just don't ever get and I really think that's my favorite degree we've talked about mm-hmm. that before I mean it's just something about you, you, you know you're you're right but you're one step away from where you need sure. to be but uh, I still think the EA degree is probably the most important to me Get them off on a good step. I, there are there are several parts on all the degrees that I like. Uh, probably lecture wise, that's my favorite yeah. lecture because it was the first one I learned. Right, and they did it to me as a joke. I think <laughs> when I first came in, uh, like most brothers, uh, I was maybe a little more open about it. But I said, "What do you need from me? What do you need me to do?" Right, because we're a small lodge here at Birds Eye, yep. Bethlehem. Uh, small lodge, and I wanted to be useful. Most brothers who come in want to be useful. Yeah, they want to have an important job, and 
At that time, Henry Huff was here, and Henry's since passed, but he could do the other four lectures. Right. They had nobody that would have to get somebody to come to Bird's Eye to do the middle chamber lecture. Right. But not aware, you know, had heard, I had heard it once. Yeah. <laughs> and I heard it, the next time I heard it was the short form, and the yeah. next time I heard it was from Kentucky. So, so I had heard three different, three, different, three different times, yeah. Yeah. So I said, what do you want me to do? And they said, do that middle chamber lecture. And oh, they yeah, all, I got that too. They were all, <laughs> you know, smiling and laughing. And, and I it. said, okay. <laughs> and uh, Joke's about, on them now. Yeah, about three weeks later, I come in, I said, okay, I got that. What else do you need? <laughs> and they went, what? <laughs> Phil, who was the what was the name of the brother from Eckerty that did the middle chamber lecture on my degree? Uh, Joel, I can never remember Joel, Joel Jones. Joel Jones. Uh, Joel is one of the most proficient Masons I know. Um, Joel. Uh, oh, he's a great, super great guy. Yeah, he's, he's a great guy. Yeah. He's very active in his other life, which means he's not. I, I guess he doesn't travel as much anymore. He, well, he and his wife have a special calling, and they take care of disabled children yeah oh, okay well, uh, i'm talking yeah. severe disabilities like uh, shaken baby syndrome uh, we'll have to go uh, here for the, for the movie di- that no time. no that's okay. uh that's that's brother steve from jasper that's a different okay. guy right. steve Murray. yeah okay but uh brother joel i think they have adopted eight or nine oh, over wow. the years some of them have passed because like you, of their problems you haven't met this guy but like me and felt like you know you never want to you never want to say that one mason's better than another but what what i'm trying to say is that if there was ever an epitome of what a mason should be outside the lodge it's him it's him because of what they what he does away from the lodge you know okay and it's it's one of those deals that uh, he and his wife do not have any children of their own um she had a son who had a, a pretty severe disability prior to being married to joel by her first husband or whatever and um when they got married, uh, you know, he was so good with this kid, I think, that they decided to uh, take on a foster kid. And then after they had it a while, it's like, well, let's just go ahead and adopt it. And they did. And uh, then they did it again and again and again and again. Wow. And they've done it, uh, I think, eight or nine times. Uh, that's the epitome of Mason. You want to you know, <laughs> hear something funny about the night that I took my fellow craft degree? So I remember two things about Joel that night. After uh, he did the lecture and we were standing right up here, uh, you know, he shook my hand, told me congratulations, and he, he was a little teared up. Like, it meant a lot to him to be doing it. Oh, yeah. The second thing I remember about this, and Philip's going to laugh about this, so we go around the room for introductions, and I, I, my dad's sitting beside my grandpa, and uh, I look at Joel, I'm like, hey, man, that was I don't know how you memorize all that. I'm like, you did one hell of a job, and everybody looked at me, and I think why anybody was looking at me. I got back down to the house at night, my dad goes, you said hell and lodge your name. Oh, we kind of understood, uh, but that is something that's sort of frowned on. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little uh, bit. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he, I've heard worse, but then yeah, you know. then again, you know, I heard less. <laughs> okay, so now you can. We're jumping around. I'm just trying to build. I want to fill enough content, but I also want to have a good interview. That, well, so he, now he you can already, ask him. He already kind of answered. You want to be useful to the lodge. So that's why you kept coming back. Yeah. Year. Yeah, that's, you know. that's that's the whole point. I mean, I, that's the thing I think that a lot of lodges miss. They bring in a man, and then they don't give him anything to do. No. And if he doesn't feel useful, he's not coming back, guys. Yeah, a lot of times they're not going to ask. They're going to come back and ask. They think it's rude to ask, hey, is there anything I can do? 
give him something and to just do. say hey uh do you want you want to try doing this or hey you want to do you have time to do this you know or say, we Which, need you to do this right. we need you that's what he hears no matter what you tell him to do we need you right that's what we need to do well it's like yeah, skinner's grandson he'll be raised this year or yeah this year yeah, skinner's grandson yeah mo- come in wearing his good grass. bibs He's been mowing the grass here for years. Been, grass, been, been a part of the lodge really for 15, 16 years. But he helped build this lodge yeah. when he was a and kid. He still mows the grass and everything. And yeah. Yeah, well, that's, he, don't, he can't he, make it to the meetings, but he's helped the lodge out. You know, That's another thing. You have to feel like you're part of something. Right. Uh, you, and you have to have something to do, and you have to feel like you're part of a, of a bigger whole, that you're part of a family, which is right. the way I look at it. Yeah. And uh, people say, how come you don't get nervous? How come you don't get nervous when I'm doing, you yeah. know, lectures and stuff? I don't get nervous because these, these people are my family. Right. Uh, these are my brothers. And if it's your brothers, you don't get nervous in front of your family. You get nervous in front of strangers. Yeah. My family's a little different. <laughs> so, feel like I, so I got a question for you. Me and Todd don't ever write down questions. One day we'll be good at this, won't Someday we? We'll one day, one day yeah. we'll get a format for the interviews. But nah. I want to ask you a question. How does it feel knowing that the work that you have done, and I know you're going to laugh at me, but it's true, and Todd, Todd will agree with me. How does it feel that you're so sought after? Like, everybody wants you to come be a part of their degrees. Everybody's like, can you come help us with this degree? Can you come give this lecture? Can you be – like, you can't tell me you're not someone that's sought after for degree nights because you are. Oh, yeah, very much. Well, <clears throat> you know, I don't want to – Puff myself. Oh, no, you're too not much. puffing. Go ahead. But that kind of knowledge is a two-edged sword, guys. It's a blessing that you can help. First of all, it's also very uh, good for your ego. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. that people need you. But the problem you run into is you're gone five nights a week, like you said before we start well, recording. Even when my wife was working, you know that <laughs> yeah. was not a problem. But the problem you run into is you worry if something happens to me, who takes over? Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's your family. Exactly. It's just like a person who's raising children. Right. They're thinking, you know, you've got kids, you've yeah. got kids, you know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. If you think if something happens to me, how are my kids going to be taken care of? Well, if you think this is your family, it's like how are my brothers going to be taken care of? So you've got to balance it between filling a need if it's needed right but you don't want to do it to the point that somebody looks at you and says well i can never be as good as that guy so i'm not going to try that's not what you want you want the guys to strive to be better than you right and that's the hard one is to convince them that given enough time given enough work and if they really dedicate themselves, that they, they can do a better job than anybody right. has ever done. You, <laughs> and I believe that. I believe that almost everybody's capable of doing something in lodge oh, yeah. better than somebody else. Phil, I don't think I've ever shared this with you. Todd and I had a good laugh about it off air once. I think we even mentioned it on the podcast. So at my grandpa's at my grandpa's funeral. So oh, yeah. we know the story. I, you know, I reached out to Todd before I realized it wasn't you, and I was like, "Hey, I'm, I want to be part of the service." I got down there, and then. You know, I was like, I'll just sit on the sideline or whatever. And then Ron Abel's like, well, this was your grandfather. You'd be senior deacon for us. Well, when you did the funeral lecture, uh, my dad's brother, my uncle Gordon, he's got three boys. One of them is our one of our entered apprentice. Uh, The other two 
are uh, not members. They've talked about it. They're all three hardcore Marines, you know, all three retired Marines. Uh, my youngest cousin, Mitch, Gordon's youngest boy, he watched because, I mean, you know, sitting in the front row, there's grandma, there's dad, and, you know, Gordon, everybody. Mitch watched Phil, and what the funeral lecture is, what, 20, 30 minute presentation? Yeah, about 25 minutes. 20, 25. So I seen him out of the corner of my eye. He kept doing this. He was tilting his head side to side. <laughs> and I knew, I mean, I hadn't been active for eight years, but I knew what he was doing. Well, when, yeah, so, so after the wrapped up and, you know, we said our goodbyes and everything was done with the funeral degree, I went outside and I grabbed a smoke and he goes, who was that guy? I said, that's brother Philip Atkins. He goes, Atkins, is he related to us? Is that grandpa's family? I said, no. I said, he spells his name the other way. He goes, I couldn't find the teleprompter he was reading off of. Where's it at? I'm like, there was no teleprompter. Uh He goes, well, that's impossible. Nobody can memorize that. My dad goes, oh, yeah, he can. You don't know this guy. But he oh, was, he was looking. Yeah. That's how good, you, you know, just how. And one of the reasons we wanted you on here, too, is just because everything you do, you, you get the right amount of pause and effect with it because yeah, you allow you somebody to retain it. Whereas, you know, we see a lot of lectures, and this isn't a knock on other brothers, but they go through it, feel like, boom. Boom. They're not doing it for the person, then they're doing it for themselves. Yeah, and well, there's like, no retention then. Like I told Ron Abel, he did a uh, Larry G and uh, did a good job. The did yeah, great job. But I told him also, where I think, can you act like it's not hurting your feelings being up there? Because you know, Rob just you know, Rob, yeah, he's you know, solemn. he's very solemn. Like put a little smile in there once in a while, Rob. You know, <laughs> that's like I can't watch any Master Mason degree with somebody being King Solomon unless it's you because it's just well, you ain't see me do it. It's yet. not the same. <laughs> Where I mean, but Larry, truth be told, we went to French Lick the other night. Larry did a, a tremendous yeah, job. He at did it, a by good the way. job at it. So, but again, he's a pretty new. Age. He didn't. He was kind of monotone a little bit, and and I would say if you're, you're you're basically an actor. So put some you know put some exactly. English on it. You know, put a little spin your little spin on it. And the key, and this is my opinion now, but the key on ritual is to memorize the ritual to the point that you're not even thinking about it. Right. You're just doing it. And while you're doing it, you're thinking about how it sounds. Mm-hmm. Right. You're thinking about your presentation. You're thinking about the attitudes of the person you're portraying. True. If you don't, uh, for instance, on ruffians, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know uh, how much that we can talk about, but uh, there are three different personalities. There. Right. Oh, yeah. And you should have your voice reflect those personalities. I did that, good. That, I almost let the name go once. That, that timidness, <laughs> the timidness of the, of the one, the first one. Yeah. yeah. He's timid. He, he's not like that third guy. No. So I Sick think about those things. Rougher. Maybe a lot of people don't think about them. Maybe they should. But the key is, again, be so familiar with the work that while you're doing it, you're not even thinking about what's coming up next. You're thinking about watching the candidate's eyes. Seeing where he is, he is he connected. If he's not connected, reach out and touch him on the arm. Yeah. If uh, you know. Yeah. I told you a story. He touched me pretty good on the. He was the third ruffian on yeah, my yeah. master, and I. <laughs> of course, you know, as as you know, as Phil said, we can't give too much away. But you and I now know about the borderlines of where we can start and oh, stop. Yeah. But you know, when I when I'm completely blindfolded. And the third one's supposed to be a little more aggressive or the most aggressive. And I mean, it, my fist, because it took me a little bit to recognize everybody's voice. It took me about a, a month after I took it to realize that 
Phil had been the third. And I just remember, I don't remember if it was Henry or my grandfather who was with me, but I, my fist balled up and one of them was like, put your hand down. Oh, yeah. Because you're, you know. You don't know. Oh, you don't know, but don't I know. mean. My dad was my third ruffian, so I knew his voice right away. It's like, okay, I get it now. All right. And and the voice should be the only part of it that that uh, has you tore up. Right. I don't <laughs> think that we should be rough ever. Oh, I no. mean, physically rough. I don't I think that's some, the I've way done it. some rough ones. We've I've talked seen, about that them. before. Uh, Not a good thing. Mm-mm. I've I've seen people get up and leave degrees before, oh, yeah. and you've talked about that. You've yeah, seen I, it too. Where they're we had area rep leave one time in my lodge because a visitor who was doing it went way overboard. And he, yeah, that's what happens a lot of times. Got, yeah. Anytime a man comes to your lodge and says, "I want to do the third ruffian," look out. Yeah. Because he thinks that that's what he's there for. He got to put a show on or something. Yeah. And that's not why he's there. And that's the guy who so I was, was master that year. And I told him, not, if you're going to do it again, don't come back. So many brothers, when they're doing degree work, or doing work in lodge at all, they're trying to entertain themselves. They're trying to show themselves off. Mm-hmm. What they should be doing is trying to do it for that candidate. If you're not doing it for the candidate, you're yeah. doing it for the wrong reason. That's right. The reason that I watch the guy's eyes, because I want him to be connected to what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. The reason that I watch his stature, the way he stands, you know, is uh, how he, because I can tell if he's standing like this with his arms crossed, you know, you he's, know he's, he's, he's saying, I'm shutting you out. There are, there are certain mm-hmm. uh, kinestics, certain body language that you have to watch. Oh, yeah. Uh, change the tone of your voice. Go higher, go lower, uh, you know. Touch him. Do something to get his attention back, because it it is a long lecture. Oh, that, yeah. that lecture, and many of the lectures are long. Well, yeah, even even like the. But I'm going to tell King you, Solomon up I'm, there starting off. That's I'm going to tell you the greatest, the greatest ritual secret I'm holding in my right hand. Handkerchief. Anytime you get to where you're about to forget something or stumbling. Say, excuse me a second. Take out That's your handkerchief. That's why you always yeah, okay. Take out your handkerchief. Wait, where's that? It's been a minute. There it is. There it is. <laughs> I always wonder why you did that. Take out your handkerchief. Uh, wipe your nose. Wipe your mouth. Wipe your nose. And stand there in your brain going, what's next? What's next? What's next? What's next? <laughs> Until you got it. Yeah. And then go on. And if you can't get it, if you can't think of it, say, I'm sorry, guy. Uh, uh, Brother Prompter, where was I? Yeah. I, I got, I lost my train. How often do you ever see him have to be prompted? <laughs> something? Be very, honest. Not very, but he that's does what I'm saying. Like, times. But I'm saying that is something that will cover a, a multitude of work, oh, yeah. of bad, oh, bad yeah. problems. So learn to carry a handkerchief, in other words. Well, I mean, you know, something about it. I remember seeing, go to my, my grandma's church and everything and uh, listen to those Southern Baptist preachers. They always had that, that handkerchief out, oh, wiping man. their mouth, or they would have to walk around a little bit, stretch a little bit. It's like, they got stolen for something. I, now I realize what he's doing. Okay. Well, it's 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 something that uh, that I found to be useful. That works. And it doesn't distract from what you're doing. Uh, you know, if you have if you have ten people around the room, if you don't say excuse me, everybody will start. Oh yeah, they'll you. start. So you know, carry the two different letter, two different words. And that, same, that's that's one, that's, that's a trick that that uh, I think we could all. Use. You want to know one of the funniest things I've ever seen? So uh, when you and I went to, me and you've went to three degrees together at Newton Stewart. Now mm-hmm. the first one we went to when I had only been back in like the a month. Four brothers. Or- Something like that. I'd only been back in a month, and all of a sudden, like six different people is prompting the master of the oh, lodge, yeah. and he's like, 
If ever and he, to his own lodge, he's like, if everybody will stop, I'm I can't hear Brother Phil. And I'm, you and I are sitting there laughing, like Phil's not even a part of this lodge, and he, the master wants prompted only by him, and it was, well, it was hilarious. Like, you just know for good ritual, know, knowing the ritual and everything. Jr. Jr. Ratliff sitting there with the book open, yes, oh, and he doesn't even want prompted by him. He just wants prompted by Phil. Yeah, I, remember, was, I remember that he was driving me crazy. I took a breath one time for doing something. And, I'm like, I know, I know, it's okay. The, the worst time to ever be prompted is a funeral. Oh, I bet. Because there are pauses there that you must. Oh, God, do. I would yeah, hope somebody would There are there. times when you've got to look around that room and look, look at everybody this in the person eye. or that person, uh, you know, whether it be the family you're addressing or the brethren you're addressing or yeah. just the public you're addressing. And I can usually tell, and we get a lot of petitions from guys after they see the funeral degree. Yep, that's what I got. Me I in. can usually tell by watching the room who is going to petition. Right. Because they don't take your eyes off of you. Nope. That is, you know, they talked for years about having to do a having to do a uh, proficiency to be a worshipful master. Right. My opinion is if you're going to have to be proficient at something, make it the funeral. Oh yeah. Because if you go in there in front of the public and you're stumbling and stammering, it's really not good for the fraternity. No. It's really not good for the family. Uh, it's just not a good thing. I've always said the funeral lectures are the best advertisement we'd have been. It is, and it also is the one that the public sees. They don't see our other work. Nope. You know, you can say, well, he does a great stair lecture. They don't know what that is. They have no idea. But if if they see a funeral degree and they go, wow, like your your cousin cousin said, you know. uh, And he was, Phil, at Grandpa. Because we're all sitting there facing, you know, and he's just, I could see his eye, and I knew – at that point, again, I said I still didn't know I was coming back. I thought I was right. going to go up the following month and thank everybody, and then you guys sucked me back in. But anyways, but his eyes were like, like this, and I knew uh-huh. like he's looking for a teleprompter. He thinks Phil's reading this off a teleprompter. You know, and the guy who did my uh, my dad's funeral lecture, John Walls, past grand high priest, the mm-hmm. chapter and everything, and and uh, I asked John to do it for my dad and everything, and John, you know, John's a little short. You know, remember you remember John Walls, don't mm-hmm. you? A little short guy, probably wasn't. Five, five two, foot, five, five two, five yeah. one, but he's a little little spark, spark plug is what he was, and he was he did that he did he had it timed out where he he was twenty two and a half minutes every time he did it yeah he did the same way but man he was so good at it consistent yeah, when he got done they come goes and one of my cousins go uh, did he memorize all that I go yeah he goes how many words is that I said I don't know but it's a lot of them he goes well, what made him do that I said that's what we do that's what we do. You know, we don't read out of the book like, you know, which I was at a funeral one time, and for some reason we didn't go on last. Usually the, master, the master's, uh, always the basin's always last. The, uh, I think the Elks went on last for some reason. I don't know why, but they read theirs out of the book. Because the guy was past president of the mm. Elks or whatever, and past master. Well, they came up to me after the kid I went to high school with came up to me afterwards and he goes, man, that was awesome. I said, who is reading that? I was like, we don't read it. He goes, well, we do. I'm like, well, that's the difference between us and you. I said, we don't read ours. <laughs> you know, I've... I've then he's like, all your rituals memorized? I said, every bit of it. <laughs> I've had guys ask me, they say, when you do a funeral, you really seem emotional. And I don't say, I don't seem emotional. I, I am emotional. emotional. Yeah. I am. Even if you uh, don't know the guy, you still... This guy is my brother. Right. And if I can't stand up here and look at his family and look at his friends and... 
empathize with the loss that they've had. Oh, yeah. And I don't need to be doing this service. Phil, that brings me to a point. I want I want you to tell a, a, a small story real fast if you can. Because you're just talking about being emotional and this is my brother. Uh, when I was on my work trip, I was out in uh, Iowa. Okay. The brother that didn't have any family and they wanted to do a Masonic service and they were scrambling and uh, brother John texts me about this and I'm like, Hey, I'm out in Davenport, Iowa. I'm not going to be home in time. You said that, uh, for this funeral degree, they thought maybe two or three people would show up. Wasn't going to be nobody. You said there was like close to a hundred Masons or 50 Masons showed up and yeah. the Shriners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Isn't that cool? The guy's got no family. Yeah. And nobody there, and yet at the end of the day, the brotherhood shows up. We'll be looking at uh, I've actually had uh, funerals where we outnumbered the family. Yeah, there were more brother Masons there than there were immediate family or, or you know, blood well, relatives. You remember the story of Chris Hodab? How he got in there? He saw his, his grandfather, yeah, his, his father-in-law. father-in-law he was called Mason, him. Yeah, and he called him on Sunday night. And the secretary answered, "Had to be in there working." He goes. I don't know what I don't know if I can, what I can do, but we'll do what we can. Took all the information. He said about ten guys showed up. He never met this guy before. Never seen him in his life. But and Hodap points to that being what being got him why he joined to become a Mason. Yep. Yeah. We like, did a we did a funeral a few years ago for Line Lodge, and it was a courtesy funeral for a guy out of uh, Ohio's jurisdiction. He uh, had a houseboat on Patoka Lake, mm-hmm. and he had moved over here. Uh, his family had all scattered all over the country right and he wanted to be buried here he family was all from ohio he was born and raised in ohio Mm -hmm. Uh, he belonged to the lodge in ohio but he wanted to be buried here so when we went down to do his uh, masonic service there was like 10 people there and there was like 15 masons showed up right so there was 10 family members that made the trip but all the Masons that mm-hmm. didn't even know this guy, even though he was our brother, you showed up. We showed up to honor him, and that says a lot about our fraternity. Oh, yeah. So and I think people need that in today's. So, no, I, I was mad that we had a we had a member in uh, Lebanon. He he's down by uh, Boone County Lebanon Lodge, and they were going to do it at like ten o'clock in the morning on like a Wednesday, and I couldn't make it and. Oh, my man, my guys can make it, so I called a master down at Boonville. and said, hey, could you guys help us out with the funeral? I said, because I don't have anybody who can make it. I, I can't do it. The, guy, the guys who usually do it are all busy. He said, oh, yeah, we'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. Well, I gave the information, and he said he had uh, 10 guys show up, and the funeral director, who's a mason, too, stood up there also. But I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe how. They would have oh. said, no, we can't do it. It's too short notice, but. That's another testament in, uh, to Freemasons and Freemasonry. Uh, if you look at how many funeral directors are, are, are Freemasons, the reason they're Freemasons is not because they're expecting to get business. Because no. in most of these small towns, you only got one funeral home. I did. So I shouldn't laugh getting, about that, but the way but he's, he's just... going, he's going to get the business. Yeah, right. it's not about that at all. Until right. they cure death, he's going to be busy. He sees <laughs> the dedication we have to our family. He mm-hmm. sees the dedication we have to each other as brothers, and he wants to tap into that. And I think that's that's a point that we don't make often enough to the public. I really yeah. do. That you become a part of a bigger whole. Oh yeah. Uh, I tell people this all the time. Uh, we're not all going to be buddies. We're no. not all going to hang out on the weekends together. No. 
But if any of my brothers call me and say, man, I'm broke down up here. I need some help. I'm in my car and I'm on my way. Right. Even if I don't personally care for the guy's personality or yeah. something, I still, he's my brother. He's a member of my family. Mm-hmm. And that is something that's sadly missing in today's mm-hmm. world. Well, it happened to me. I was, I was coming through Honeybird one time and stopped at Huck's up there. And walked down Huck's and goes, hey, uh, can I ask you a favor? I guess. Why? What do you need? He goes, can you give me a ride home? My, my truck broke down the other side over here. And I just I just need to get home. I got, I can get get a ride in the morning, get and get everything. I go well, okay. I how far, how far away? He said, oh, down by the high school, which is what yeah. ten minutes away. He's like, yeah, yeah I give you a ride down there. He got done. He goes, well, brother, I really I really appreciate you giving me a ride. I'm like, how do you know you're a brother? He goes, well, I kind of figured that. Yeah. Ron, <laughs> but he didn't say anything until like he got out of the car. I'm like, well, I do it anyway. But if anybody ever offers to help you, you need help, and somebody offers to help you. Ask them if they're a brother. If they're not, mm. give them a petition. Oh, yeah. Because that's the kind of people we want. Oh, the yeah. people who will reach out of their own little world and try to help other folks. Oh, yeah. That's what Freemasonry is. That's now, part of it. It gets missed in the world there. No one can trust anybody anymore. I don't it's, believe that. I, I mean, you if, can. If, but, if somebody takes advantage of you, it's a knock on them. It's not a knock yeah. on you. Well, that's true. You that's know. true. But, I mean, it, it, in today's world, it's just we're not – the world gotten smaller, yeah, but it's also got, everybody's gotten far away from each other. I've helped people see it that before, way. and they say, "Well, let me pay you. Let me, you know, go get them some gas. Or yeah, if they run out of gas, let me pay you. Let me pay you." And I, I say, know. "No, I tell you what, you can do though. What's that? Well, the next time you see somebody, you help them. Mm-hmm. Pay it forward. Oh yeah. And that's I believe that. I believe that's the way we should be. Oh yeah. We should live our lives. So, yeah. Brother Phil, here, here's another question. Like I said, Todd, we're going to get good at this one day. Well, someday Second we're season, you think we'd, we'd figure out a format for yeah, the interviews. Four but, or five years later, we might figure it out. <laughs> but, Phil, what is – since you've been involved in this fraternity, uh, almost since 2006-ish. Seven, six, seven. What, uh, what's been the biggest surprise to you about being involved in this fraternity? Not, not our lodge in particular, but just being a Mason in general. What's come as the biggest surprise to you? I think the biggest surprise is, for me, is there are brothers that I think the world of. I mean, literally, uh, think the world of. Oh, go on, Phil. You can talk about it like that. Well, here's my <laughs> point. I guarantee he is talking about me and you because we feel the same about him. I guarantee here, you we are here, part of it. Here's my point. I would have never known these guys. Oh, no. I mean, there are brothers that I have in Lodge that I feel closer than I do to some members of my family. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about, you know, yeah. blood oh, relatives. Yeah. And I feel closer to these brothers. And why is that? It's because we know that they were pre-qualified. Right. We can trust them. Mm-hmm. We know that they're good men, or not good men, they're trying to be good exactly. men. And if they're not, we figure it out pretty quick. And it's, it's almost like... I don't know. It's almost like the lodge ran a ran a not a credit check, but a personality check mm-hmm. on guys, and we find out, you know, pretty quick. Uh, yeah, you know, pretty fast when someone's if someone's yeah. here for themselves or for everybody. And if they're here for themselves, they're not going to last. Mm-mm. And if they're here for everybody, that's the kind of brothers you want. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, guys that I never had any inkling, uh, maybe be different religions, different political parties, different whatever. And I wouldn't have had any association with them otherwise. And now I think the world of them. I really do. And that, to me, 
is a very strong selling point that we kind of leave out. Yeah. It is. I mean, when you think about you it. You find men from all different backgrounds. All different religions, all different races. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just it's just something we have uh, that the only thing that qualifies you to be a Mason is that you believe in a supreme being. Yep. Call him whatever you want. Yep. And that you want to make yourself a better man. That's right. How can you go wrong having those people as your friends? I can't. I mean, I remember uh, I tell a story once in a while, but I was at a lodge in the Noblesville Lodge one night, and I was uh, sitting across from before the dinner, the dinner before the lodge, and everything, talking to this guy. He's in a really nice, you know, well dressed suit. He has hair all, I mean, like probably a hundred dollar haircut and everything. And he finally asked me, he says, well, I said, what do you do for a living? So, well, I'm, I'm just a mechanic of a, a Case IH store up there. He goes, oh, okay. I said, what do you do? He goes, oh, I'm vice president of a shell oil, division of Shell Oil. So this guy's probably a multimillionaire. Like that, but he's sitting there talking to me like he had been my best friend since we were little. And I've sat in lodges with, with you know, Jewish brothers, Muslim brothers, Sikhs, yeah. uh, a couple of other religions I didn't know about and everything, but they, we were just brothers. We didn't care what didn't our differences care. were. Not, that's not why we're in here. No, and, and I don't think people get that. I, mean, I, I watch a lot of live talks on uh, TikTok. Mason's get on there, hey, ask me any questions. And all this, but you're Luciferian. You're saying, we need to go to Jesus. You need to find this. You need to find that. What's and, Brother Skinner always say? They think we come in here in the room and we ride our goats around the <laughs> yeah, room. That's and, what he always say. Yeah. And, and people, there's, I understand people are scared of what they don't know and they just make assumptions of what we do. But basically well, what we do inside this room would bore the living hell out of most people. It, it's <laughs> yeah, discussing how how we're going to pay the gas bill, and right, that kind you know, of stuff. But here's here's something that you know, coming from the Christian tradition, my dad was a Baptist minister growing up. Uh, there's a thing that says, "By your works, they will know you." Yeah, I've heard that. Before. Christ talking about it to his followers, by your works. Well, when the people look at us and they see what we do through the shrine, helping crippled children, which mm-hmm. are, a lot of people don't know, even all I shriners know. are masons. I know. <laughs> but uh, through uh, through our Blue Lodges, we donate two, $2 million a day, I think it is. Something they, like that. Yeah. Phil, Phil can I, I want to interrupt you just for one second. I want, I want to throw something out. Me and Todd laugh about this every time. So I want to get a kick out of you. I had a guy once be like, <clears throat> I want. he goes, I want to join the shrine. And I'm like, well, you, you got to be a mason first. He's like, I don't care about that. I want to join the shrine. I'm like, well, you got to go through Blue Lodge. He goes, no, I'm, how do I skip all that? I'm like, you don't. There ain't no skipping it, pal. I'm like, it's a filter. The, yeah. And that's, what, that's, you know, what Todd and I have always joked about. The Shriners often get painted in the, and no offense to any of our brother Shriners. Yeah, the Shriners but they, they're out there more than, than any, than Blue Lodge mm-hmm. and then the other bodies. They're, Scotch right, York right, whatever you want yeah, to call it. They're yeah. just, they're painted in a different light. And everybody's always, I want to, I don't want to be a Mason. I want to be a Shriner. Well, you, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Uh, like I've I say, I consider, I consider it a filter. Yeah. You know, uh, we kindly pre select good men. <laughs> and if yeah. they want to go to other appendant bodies, whether it be York Rite, Scottish Rite, whatever. Yeah, shrine, uh, Grotto. Shrine, Grotto. Tully, uh, Tulsi, you know, Lebanon. There's dozens. I just think it's ones. funny that the, the, the one guy's like, well, I don't want to be a Mason. I want to skip that. I want to go straight to the shrine. I'm like, it, you can't do that. It <laughs> some, some states have tried. <laughs> I know, a, I know a guy one time that was at a, uh, a certain business, and uh, they had a thing taking up money for the shrine on the thing. And this brother, 
knowing these people's attitude, he said, well, I didn't think you liked Masons. And they said, oh, we, don't, we hate Masons. Yeah. But we love those Shriners. Yeah, we do. <laughs> I've, heard, I've had them sit at several times. Like they don't understand. You know, they just well, don't I used get to, it. I used to work for a, I worked for a, a guy used to kind of farm me out as a mechanic every once in a while to help some of his buddies out. And the guy, I told him I was going to the uh, the shrine for a dinner or something like that down in Indianapolis. He goes, you know, that's a cult, right? Oh, oh yeah. here we go. I go, well, huh? He goes, yeah, once you get in the shrine, you can't get out. I said, yeah, kid, just stop paying your dues. They won't let you back in. Yeah, <laughs> you know? That'll stop it. He goes, how do you know? I said, well, I'm a Mason. And, you know, like, well, you can't that's be a Mason. A, that's so, a cult, too. I said, why can't I be a Mason? He goes, <laughs> you're a Delaware's person. No, I'm not. I'm a Christian. It's, you know. I said, I'm not a very you know, active Christian. But People I'm, have no I, idea how many ministers are, yeah, are Masons. Hell, my dad said uh, back in Missouri, he knew three, three, two or three priests that were Masons. Oh, yeah. They finally got you know told to get out of it, of course. But well, I've been told that in, in Italy, the local parish priest is the chaplain at the lodge. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So, Phil, we've spent a lot of time talking just about Blue Lodge, and maybe we'll circle back to that at the end and one final question. But we haven't even talked about all the work you're doing in the other pennant bodies you're both scottish right and york right aren't you i was scottish i was active in scottish right but i'm not active there anymore i am uh, very active in the uh, uh york right is there any reason why you dropped the other one or just it's it's a, it's a long way to travel and like you said i Cordon get a lot of Evansville, calls right right i get i get a lot of calls mm-hmm. uh whereas my york right body's here in huntingburg which is you know 10 12 15 miles yeah, away right uh, and uh they they were in the process of selling that building and moving to a different building and mm-hmm. and I just thought uh, well I'll, I'll give it a break for a while. See, I toured that we went down. We had a grog convention at Evansville years ago, and me and my buddy got bored one day when nothing was really going on, so we walked down to the to the Scottish Rocket Theater mm-hmm. down there, and they showed us around, and, and they weren't even open. We had knocked on the door, and someone answered it, and hey, yeah, come yeah. on in, we'll show you around, and you can see the water damage in, in the auditoriums it's like no, yeah we got working that fixed and, okay i get it you know it's a big expense and stuff like that and well then after a while here they tore it down it's like holy crap that was a nice building too one of the mistakes that the public makes and maybe even some blue lodge masons make they think because they have up to 33rd degree uh, 32 degrees plus an honorary degree called the 33rd right that they are higher than us no. here in blue lodge that's they're not that's not they're not it was third degree. It's just the, the numbers higher. So, the numbers higher. But one guy told one guy I heard it was the best explanation. He said the only thing it is, it's just more education in masonry. There, theirs tends to be more theatrical True. and teaches lessons through almost like parables that they mm-hmm. they act out. Whereas the Yorkite is more uh, Bible based and right. it's more chronological in nature. Well, Brother, I did hear uh, I did hear one guy say he said the Scottish Rite is like going to college. York Rights, like go to that's what school. I was. That's what I was getting ready to say. This Randy Seipel. Like I'm like, well, that makes a lot of sense. Randy Seipel like. told me that when I was inquiring a few months ago about which body I was getting ready to jump into. And he said, it, it's really up to you. He said, Scottish Rite is like uh, where you go to college to get your philosophy degree, and York Rights where you go to college to get your history degree. So it's just a matter of which one you want to major in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess my I question to you is, is uh, at what point did you decide that you – you needed something a little more, and you're like, you know what? I'm going to pull the trigger here and join an independent body. Well, I joined an independent body. first one I joined was here at Bird's Eye, and that was our Eastern Star. 
Uh, I joined it because the ladies of our Eastern Star here are so great about helping us mm-hmm. when we. Oh, yeah. And we've mentioned that before with Birds Out 590. Order Eastern Star. They're very, very helpful. Anything we need is fundraisers or anything we need. Oh, they're, yeah. they're here for us. Yep. And I didn't see that going back the other way like I thought it should. So I decided to join the Eastern Star, being of the Christian faith. I joined that, and then I decided that I was not going to join any other appendant bodies until I set master. And then a brother said, well, you know, I think you ought to know everything about this before you go anywhere else. (laughs) So I took him at his word. So when I got my ultimate master ritualist pen, I went ahead and joined the appendant bodies. (laughs) Because I thought, well, I've learned all the lectures, so I've got all the stuff down. (laughs) And uh, now he can't, you know, because this guy meant a lot to me, what he had his opinion. I don't agree with it now, but that's just me. Uh, But I I do agree that, uh, you know, I'm glad I did it that way. Yeah, I wish I went to York right. I went through a one-day class for all my York right degrees, all the way to Templar. Started at chapter, council, and did commander all in one day. It is a long day. I don't remember a tenth of what I should. Remember. I don't remember the signs, the passwords, nothing. All I know, I was an exemplar for the past master's degree because I was the only senior master in the class. So they let me be past ma- in the past master's degree, and I messed that up because I did the way we do it mm-hmm. in the past, our past master's degree. Yeah, and then, which is different. Well, it's a little. It, the wording's about the same, but everything's a little bit different. It has some similarities. And the guy goes, "Yep, I could tell he's a past master already." He says, oh, "Okay, as far as but." <laughs> But I wish I'd done it where I traveled to other lodges, do degrees, or do all my home lodge. I just, at that point, I was I was in the grotto. I couldn't do that. I had to go. Well, another thing too, guys, I'm kind of unique in the fact that I had the time to do that. Yeah. You know, a lot of guys they got families to raise. My family was already raised. Right. Uh, my health was such I had a neurological disorder. It wouldn't let me work. Uh, I had a heart attack at 48. I had. Uh, this rare neurological disorder. I was in a wheelchair for almost two years. Oh, wow. So I had the opportunity. To learn everything. I needed it. I needed it. So I had mm-hmm. motive. Yeah. That's why I, I get a kick out of that. He, I, the rabbits. I said, how did you learn the rabbits? He said, them, he said, them rabbits could quote all this <laughs> ritual <Yeah>. back to <laughs> me. Well, I go out there. I know nobody's going to hear it. You know, I got big to, ears. So my rabbit barn where I was uh, raising uh, some meat rabbits, and yeah. uh, I would uh, – Start in on the middle chamber lecture. It took me it took me uh, one feeding to do middle, middle chamber, chamber lecture, and I have seen that same look. Look, the rabbit gave you the same Yeah, like what in the heck is he talking about? Are you talking to me? What? What? No, I do remember. My third degree, a uh, fellow from uh, from Quincy Lodge over in Elwood, Todd Robinson, since passed away. He did the uh, second or third lecture on master master degree. He's an old guy, so he pulled up a chair. And he, he kind of started explaining to me what he was going to do. Then he started talking. Next thing I know, he gets up and goes, okay, that's it. And I'm like, did he give that whole lecture? I didn't even know he started. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he's one of the guys like you. He just start talking. He, and just start kinda, talking. he melt it right in there. He's like, oh, my God. I've messed I people guy. all the time say, man, he said, just like you're talking to the guy. And yeah. I said, I am talking, I to, am the talking to the guy. <laughs> and I say, yeah, but you know what I mean. It's like you're talking to him. And I'm like, yeah, I am talking it. to him. And, I mean, it ain't us trying to blow smoke. Like, I've got spoiled being around you in Lodge oh, ever since good. I came in. Like, 
the way the degrees are done, like I love seeing them done by you. It's just because it's it's no different than us just sitting here right now at this table, sitting right here in the lodge room with with the mics in front of us. That's how you go about all your lectures. It's just like you're talking to the guy. Yeah, but in all reality, you think about it, Phil is not unique across the state. No. There, there, there is many guys like Phil. Oh, yeah, there. yeah. No, I'm not saying and, he's not, but, you know, but he, this is what we have. This is our representation right. at home. I say there is guys like Phil all over the state who do great ritual. He would just do it. They, Brother Bill Show, so Brother Jim Sharp, Harold Huffman, guys. Harold Huffman. Did my Bible lecture. But I have Harold guys. Huffman is absolutely the guy that I patterned myself after oh, yeah. when I started. I had guys up north who, you know, who I emulated, like Don Nesvig and Toad Warden and Keith Fouts. Keith Fouts. Was mastered in 1951. Was never master again. Yeah. Phil's so never Phil, missed a state of meeting in his life. Phil's right good friend uh, Haven Wonders. Haven. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's man. guys. And I'm sure there's guys in the northern part of the state who I don't know. There's guys probably in Lafayette who didn't. He wouldn't travel to center of the state where I was at. You know. Shout out Adam Nelson. <laughs> yeah, Adam Nelson. <laughs> I'm, I was a third ref, and he made sure he remembers me. I don't remember what I did to him, but he remembers me. <laughs> But, but you know, I'm saying, but we're talking about a guy doing good ritual. There is good rituals all over absolutely. the state. I mean, Phil's not the end all be all. He's great. Don't get me wrong. He is. But there, I've, I've had guys out there give Bible presentations and make you cry. I've had guys, I've had guys give the stereo lecture that you're hanging on every single word they're saying. But what you know, bothers you, and uh, you and I talked a lot on the way up to Founders Day. What bothers you is. Guys that don't go home and study ritual when they're telling you that they're going to get back. And we're not going to name any names. The point I'm making in all this is that uh, I never said this to Phil, I think. And I think I've said it on the podcast before, though. When, uh, when, when, you know, Grandpa passed away, it was me taking apart the Masonic services. It was me coming back up for the October meeting to thank everybody. Mm And then it was you guys like, well, hey, if, you, if you're here tonight for this, why don't you tag along with us in two days and just go see an entered apprentice degree for old time's sake at Jasper. So I tagged along. Yeah. Well, then November gets here, and I decided to come up for the November meeting. And then it's like, hey, we're going to put you in the south. Well, after months of doing this, Phil, I realized when I came back after probably, I don't know, so October of 2021, so probably March of 2022, so probably six months. I realized that I wasn't doing this so much in memory of my grandfather like I thought I was. It took me a few months to realize, I'm doing this because I want to. I'm doing this because I need this in my life right now. Yeah. And then, uh, and you have honestly uh, made me want to get better to where I started pulling out. And, you know, I could have just come back to every meeting and just sat here. Just been a member. But I go, I go, and I actually study ritual. Like, I've worked my butt off trying to learn this charge on the EA, and I'm... You know, I'll forget a few pieces of it, but I'm pretty close. Like, uh, it's made me want to challenge myself. Right. Absolutely. Because I look at the, you know, the high regard everybody holds you in and just the feeling you get watching you do ritual. And I think if if more of the newer members would have a a role or a role model or a mentor like that, then. Mm -hmm. You know, I tell Brother John all the time, I wasn't a good mentor. And he says, sure you were. He said, you went through the book with me. But, yeah, I mean, I haven't seen him since he took his degree because he's working night shift. And that's I mean, the bad part about life. The way is, I know a lot of guys who join Lodge, they get a good job at Chrysler. They'll go up north or they get a job one of the factories around here. Goes, call mine like get, Phil. They get, get moved to second shift. Well, it's 25 years before they ever come back to Lodge. Yeah, what, what if, uh, well, I'll give you a for instance. This is a, a weird one, but it's, it happened. 
They had a guy at French Lick took his entered apprentice degree. He got a job with the railroad before he took his fellow craft. I think I heard this. They Go transferred ahead. him to Florida. He retired in Florida. Moved back home to French Lick. 30-some years. 38 years, I believe. Oh, wow. Came back to French Lick and wanted to take his fellow craft degree. <laughs> he waited that whole time. 38 years. years. Well, he had learned to do his passions. <laughs> so they said, we'll do it. Because we've got the records where you took your EA degree, but we want you to go with us to a few EA degrees. <laughs> so they took him to about three or four EA degrees, and, uh, you know, he proved his proficiency to them or whatever. And wow. they went ahead and took him to his fellow craft, and now he's uh, he's been raised a master mason. <laughs> that, so that's, that's the longest one I know of. Oh, wow. That entered apprentice degree that I went with, what was funny about that was Jackie was there. And Jackie's he's like, <laughs> hey, it's good to see you. He's like, where have you been? I was like, well, I worked night shift. He goes, well, you weren't on night shift that whole time, were you? And I had to be like, no, I went to day shift, you know, eventually. And I was like, I guess I just decided I wasn't going on Wednesday nights, you know. Just. Well, it's like I first moved down here. I went from being a four to five night a week traveler up north mm-hmm. and meeting my wife. And then, you know, being Again, in, in, that, in, the grotto in and, that hour drive around Indianapolis, you can oh, yeah, do I that. Could, I could there's five nights a week. Yeah. Five, I go six days a week if I wanted to. And uh, then I you know, met Jill. She moved in. I kind of started going a little bit less, but I was real active in the grotto, being an officer in the grotto. So that was every four Tuesday and every Friday night. It was Friday night dinners. I hang out with everybody. It was great. Well, we moved down here. I didn't know one Mason to move down here. Yeah. Did not. I knew where all the lodges were at, but you know, I didn't know a single one. So it was probably 10 years before I came back to lodge. And I always tell everybody, we are the – I think the the smallest lodge in du, of, of the three in Dubois County, at least Probably. as far as membership, membership goes, Absolutely. you know. Yeah. Uh, We're in the smallest town. Too. Well, yeah. Uh, Second oldest, but uh, definitely the smallest. Yeah. Is ja- think, Jasper's not older than us. It's no, Huntingburg, ain't it? 16, Huntingburg. Yeah. 520, yeah. yeah so. Jasper's like 1960 or something like that. 743. Yeah, yeah 1963. Yeah. That started as a joke. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that. I heard uh, that. He was down at uh, Huntingburg, which is where he belonged, and uh, he was complaining about having to drive all the way to Huntingburg. And somebody uh, told uh, Brother Lyon, they said, well, you've got all kinds of money. Why don't you just build your lodge up there? <laughs> just did. kidding around. And he, and he said, did. Okay. And he did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how Line Lodge got started. Which yeah. I always thought Line Lodge was named after, you know, a plumb line. That's no. what I thought it was. No. And then I finally it's go there. It's the guy's last name. And they, said, oh, the guy's last name was Line. I'm like, well, I mean, damn, I didn't know that. Well, <laughs> another thing, too, a lot of people don't know. He named it after, not after himself, because you can't do that. After his wife, wasn't it? It's after his brother. Okay. His brother was killed in World War II. If you okay. look in Line Lodge, they've got a picture of him up there. I've, I've seen that picture. Uh, that's his brother, and that's who they named the lodge after. Okay. When they first sent it in, knowing how instrumental he was, they thought, the Grand Lodge, I guess, thought that he was being named it after himself. And they said, you can't do that. And he <laughs> said, no, it's after my brother. So. That's the way he did it, I guess, but. So I got three final questions it's for one of Phil. My lodges that we go to. I love going to Line Lodge. I got three final questions for Phil, and then we can keep taper on, or we can cut it off after that. So I'll let that up to you guys. How long are they going? Uh, just an hour, a little over an hour. So I got three three questions really, and you know, eventually we're gonna get good at this. That's my running joke tonight. Yeah. <laughs> so Phil, the first question is, um, what has been if you if you had to pick a particular instance. 
throughout being involved in and Blue Lodge and the appendant bodies, if you had to pick a particular instance, what has been your favorite moment as far as being a Mason that, or, or like the coolest thing you've been a part of? Like if you had to single something out. The one that sticks out in my mind, and it wasn't the first time that I had set Solomon. It wasn't the first time that I had raised brothers. But in our lodge here, we had uh, a couple of brothers who had some really bad health issues. One brother had cancer. Uh, one brother was really old in his 90s. Both of them had grandsons that uh, were EAs. And it was a long time before they took their fellow craft, and then it was even longer before they took their master. Right. And I went to each one of them, each one of those two guys, and I said, you know, you really need to get this done before your granddad passes because they're both, you know, right. on the edge. And we did it. Well, when we did it, when we raised those two brothers, I literally felt different at that moment. Right. It was like I was really concerned about it, doing it, because uh, I don't feel that they were absolutely ready to take their Master Mason's degree. They were proficient enough to read it, but I'm saying memorize it like we used to want them to do. Right. But when I raised those two guys, I literally felt something more than I had ever felt. I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And and it, it meant a lot to me because both of their granddads were in the room, and within six months they were, they were both, both gone. gone. Yeah. Yeah. And that knowing that I got the chance to make that happen meant a lot to me. I muted your mic so we didn't hear you rubbing up against the windscreen. Yeah. Okay. Well, then I guess uh, the last thing here, and uh, I, I'm telling you right now, and you're going to laugh at me, Todd, but there's oh, enough. Yeah. There's enough with Phil that we could always do another interview. I oh think, yeah, easily. Like a part two, but but the 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 biggest thing I want to capture here is kind of in tune with the whole premise of what the the interviews are going to be because i'm sure this season we're going to roll out a bunch of interviews yeah we're going to do quite a but few, the whole premise is let's capture your story while you still can because again once these older wiser mason are gone who's gonna tell their story so well also i thought it'd be nice for the family because yeah you know, i i remember my dad's voice. i want to hear dad's voice one but, more time you know it's on a, well, a here, crappy cell phone my mom kept and just my dad basically tell my nephew, keep your he, he was hitting the cage, keep your hands up, keep your head still. And it's basically it's not my dad's voice. And I'm thinking, what can I do for another person who, you know, parents pass away and they want to hear the voice? The Where, what can we hear forever. Brother Phil at again? Well, he's right here on this podcast. Yeah, I don't know. I, I've never related this story to you all, but my father was, I know you all know he was a Baptist minister. Right. And I moved away and was doing construction all over the country. Right. He was down in a little town in West Virginia. Well, I didn't know it, but there was a uh, young man there that belonged to that church, and he recorded them, and he put it on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was not even aware my dad was on YouTube. Yeah. And I was talking to a guy, and I can't even remember. It was totally unrelated subject. He was from down that part of the country. And he asked me who I was because that's, you know, which family do you belong to? Yeah. That's a big deal well, in West Virginia. <laughs> you're Hatfield or, you know, that kind <laughs> of stuff. <laughs> which one are you affiliated with? Yeah. But, but I told him who I was, and he said, Norman Atkins, the preacher? And I said, yeah. He said, oh, I've been watching him on YouTube. 
Now, this guy, who I had never met before. Can you imagine Phil's look on Phil's face? Oh, yeah. I've been watching my dad on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking, this is kind of strange. I looked it up. And, I mean, you can look it up right now. He's got, like, three videos on. And I got to hear my dad preach. He'd been dead for, at that time, he'd been dead probably 15 years. And I got to hear my dad preach uh, three sermons uh, and one of them, he was talking directly to me. There's no doubt oh, in my yeah. mind. <laughs> so that was a rather, uh, you know, at a younger age or a different age, I may not have felt that way. Right, but yeah. at so, that moment in time, I felt like that guy was so uh, cool. Which, yeah, that's the reason cool. I want to do, like, the, you know, the, the shows and Doc Gray and those oh, yeah. guys who were, you know, and even, anybody who wanted to come on and talk and everything, you have that voice out there now. You have your, you know, you have that conversation where, you know, your kids can be your grandkids never met or something like that. I can hear your voice. And, you know, because my, my kid never met my dad. And he yeah. passed away uh, two weeks before my daughter was born. So so they have no idea what he even sounded like. So here, so here's the final question we'll use for this episode. And I think we could work this into every future interview right. with Mason. So when the Supreme Architect calls you up and you lay down your working tools at the end of that day. Should be a nervous grasp. What... Do you want or what do you hope that your legacy to your lodge and to the fraternity overall was? Well, I I want people to understand that uh, my life, the part of it that I dedicated to Freemasonry, was done out of love. I don't think anybody will argue that with you. You know, it's not just love of uh, being able to do ritual, but... Uh, you know the things like we do here at, at this lodge. Uh, you the know, like the community dinner, dinners all the time for people that aren't donated, even involved with the lodge. We're a tiny little lodge, and we've donated probably eighty thousand dollars to local charities here oh, yeah. in, in our area. Uh, it's it's that that you know. I'm not sure uh, when I'm being judged, they're going to say you did a good job on ritual. <laughs> you know well, that's well, not important. No. That's not. I do that because I love it. But don't get me wrong. But I want the love that I have for my fellow man to come through, and that's what I, I think want it will. Yeah, that was if the, rit- the Freemasonry, not the ritual. No, no. It's a lesson. I tell people this ritual. all the time, and, and I don't know how serious they take it. But I say it takes every type of individual to have a good lodge. Oh yeah. You got to have guys that are business oriented and understand finance. You got to have guys that are into ritual. You got to have guys that are concerned about older folks and the sick and go check on them and call. All those aspects are not found in one human. Nope. So you have to have a varied group of people to get a lodge going. A lot of personalities. You know, Todd, when 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 you joined up here, when you got active in lodge again, like I said, there's three lodges in Dubois County. Your kids go to the Southeast District. This lodge is part of the Southeast School District. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bird's Eye is a very tight-knit community. Oh, Dubois yeah. County is a tight-knit community. Everybody knows about everybody. But honest Amen. to goodness, based off what Phil just said, if it wasn't for Phil half the time passing notification during our monthly meetings or our degree work about, hey, so-and-so is not doing good, and they're not even a Mason, yeah. or they're not even involved in the Eastern Star, Half these people in this room would know about what's going on with right. these people. It's it's important, guys, that we become a part of our community if we want our community to become a part of us. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's could have said it better. Well, I say we need to start doing more, not more outreach, but just more activity at our lodge. 
Cause and we're getting he knows, there. He knows what he might, might pull in. Brother Phil's, brother Phil's one of the ones that seems to support our crazy ideas the most. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, when they got hurt at, you know, me and you had a podcast, and they're kind of like, eh. and then when they found out, hey, Grand Lodge liked your podcast, why don't you come up for Grand Lodge and, you know, the, the yeah. spring and do another one? So, yeah. You got, any, you got anything else for Phil? No, Phil, thanks for coming on, though. I really appreciate it. I love having you. Love talking Phil, to you anytime. Uh, we love you, brother. You got anything else you want to say in closing? No, I just, uh, you know, there are some brothers that are not doing well, so let's keep them in our prayers. Um, As always. Like I said, uh, Brother Harold Huffman in particular <coughs> has been a brother that has meant a world to me. Oh, yeah. Uh, brother Harold uh, is, is having some health issues. And his, yeah, I saw him much longer. His, his wife is slim. also having some health issues. Yeah, and, I knew that. Uh, he's, he's really got a lot on his plate. Uh, Brother Harold's a guy I called when I had questions on ritual. He, he and Jackie yeah. Ash. That's who and, did my Bible presentation. I tell you yeah. what, man, that was one of the most beautiful ceremonies of all three degrees I had. Yeah. Uh, I, I, te- I tell you a quick story on Harold. This won't take but a second. That's fine. Go ahead. Take your time. When I first started learning all this work, I learned really fast because I had the time to do it. Right. And every time I'd see Harold, I'd say, hey, I got so-and-so. I got the charge, I got this, I got that, I got this lecture, I got that lecture. And one day he said, well, you're just one of those guys that Mr. Know-it-all kind of time. Guy. <laughs> and it that. hurt my feelings, but he was kind of hurt too because he had done all this stuff and now they were asking me to start doing it. And I kind of understood that. Now, most people, that would have been all that was said. That night, Harold Huffman called me and apologized and said, brother, I got thinking about that, and that's not the way I should be. That makes a good Mason, guys. Mm-hmm. Think about what you've done and ask yourself that question. Was that Masonic? Right. Was that brotherly, what I just did or what I just said? And there's times when it's not. And the, what makes you a good Mason is if you go back and fix it. That's right. Remember that. All right. True words have been spoken. So I'm for uh, I'm Brother Jared Atkins. I'm Todd Whaley. And that's our secretary, Brother Philip Atkins. Spells his name the wrong way. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding, Phil. But uh, Bethlehem Lodge 574 in God's country, Bird's Eye, Indiana. Uh, Thanks for your support, guys. Like our Facebook page. The Lodge has a Facebook page as well. The Lodge has an Instagram as well. Instagram, yeah. My Instagram got hacked. It's no longer active. Oh, yeah. I got a funny story about that later. The Lodge is okay. I I twiddled around with uh, Todd's hacker. Oh, did you? Yeah, I got some funny messages to show you. But anyways... This has been another episode, season two, first episode of uh, That Other Masonic Podcast. Oh, we're also on TikTok now. That's we're on TikTok. That Other Masonic Podcast. We'll put some on there tonight, and we have Instagram page also. I'll let Todd do the TikTok. He's got the face for radio. Yeah, that's about right. And I don't <laughs> wonder how that translates to camera. But anyways, uh, we will see you guys next time. Thank you very much. Later, guys. Mm-hmm.